0: Greetings, everyone. This is podcast number 55, September 9th, 2023. I am Paula Bach, author of Rescue the Teacher, Save the Child. Hello to my 3,700 plus listeners, and welcome to the 100 new listeners. Here's where it is really interesting. 86% of you are from the U.S., 5% of you are from Ireland, 2% China, and 2% Singapore, Other countries with around 1% include India, UK, and the EU countries. Spread the word, everyone, and hit those subscribe and share buttons at any time. And I'd love to have you subscribe. It's free, and you get to hear words of wisdom, and today you get to hear some humor. So today's podcast is entitled, Whitney and Me, The Best Superpower, Immunity to Embarrassment. It is incredibly presumptuous of me to brag that Whitney Houston and I have anything in common. As many of you know, I blog and podcast regarding my passion for better school education in this country. What you may not know is I am a professional singer. With a background in opera, musical theater, and jazz, I operate a voice studio coaching singers young and old. Fame indirectly shed its light on me over the years... James Valentine of Maroon 5 sang in my choir program in Nebraska. Scott McIntyre made top 10 of American Idol, and he actually invited me to attend on the night that he made top 10. That's a whole nother story, but I was so proud of him. And something that you might want to know about Scott McIntyre he is blind, and he had a very successful time on American Idol. And then I have another student of mine um, in Arizona. Actually, Scott studied with me in Arizona. And then Nate Zucker, formerly of Judah and the Lion, sang in my choir program here in Colorado. So it's not too shabby, right? But how does Whitney Houston fit into my orbit? She and I share one common thread. We both performed The Greatest Love of All on stage. Whitney sang the song with spectacular vocals, which created an awe inspiring rendition. I bombed. It was decades ago, but the pain of embarrassment still lingers. My students requested the school's administration allow me to sing the greatest love of all at their graduation. They had to seek special permission since no teacher had performed at this prestigious event before. The principal agreed to my singing, setting in motion the potential of an epic fail. It was the busiest time of year in my teaching life. I rehearsed the song, but just never quite had the time to memorize it. On the day of the rehearsal, I, I had a music stand, so placing the large tri written music on it appeared to solve the memorization question. The rehearsal was deemed a success. After school, I decided I needed a new outfit for this occasion, Our city had only one real boutique, so I ventured in to find that right look. Finding clothing which flattered my height and weight was challenging. It always has been. I would never be mistaken for, oh look, there's that petite lady. The owner of the store brought out a bright canary yellow jacket and skirt. Perhaps now you understand the picture of the canary on my blog. I could have directed traffic at graduation in that outfit. No one could miss me. I then paired electric blue heels with a yellow and blue scarf. Well, what can I say? It was the 80s. I was sure I nailed the outfit. Upon reflection, appearing as a 500-pound canary did not improve my chances for a stellar performance. Nevertheless, I prepared for the evening and... I really felt ready to take the stage. Unfortunately, everything that day created the perfect storm. I took too much time to get ready, encountered heavy traffic, and arrived at the school only a few minutes before the start of the ceremony. I peeked at the audience from stage left and my heart stopped. The auditorium held 1,000 people, but now there was standing room only. The flashes of hundreds of cameras going off at the same time immediately brought on nausea. What was I thinking when I agreed to sing at this event? It got worse. Preparing my entrance, I realized no music stand existed on the entire stage. Now I'm in full panic since I never memorized the song, My music was arranged on a tri-fold sheet of music, which would be impossible to hold in my left hand as I held the microphone in my right hand. I heard my introduction and must make a decision. After all, I'm a a professional singer, somewhat well-rehearsed and uh, ready for any variable. I entered the stage without the music. I knew I could do this. I must do this. My students expected a performance worthy of their special evening. The stage was filled with almost 300 students. As I made my way towards the microphone, a zillion flashes exploded at once. It was unnerving. Picking up the microphone from the cradle, I began to sing. I believe the children are our future. Teach them well. Well, that's all, folks. That's where it stopped. There were no more lyrics. In a brief blaze of thought, I realized two things. I couldn't go backstage and get the music because there was no music stand. I couldn't go over to the piano. The accompanist was now surrounded literally with a jungle of tall plants, so I couldn't even get to the piano. So I did what I do best. Improvised. My recollection is something like this. I believe the children are our future. Teach them well and they will understand. Tonight we are gathered here to celebrate these kids. These are very special kids. Nothing rhymed. No example of verse refrain. The remainder of the song is a blur just remember every so often i would sing i believe the children are our future greg gutfeld of the extremely popular late night show gutfeld recently gave a definition of a true superhero immunity to embarrassment well i was a superhero of large dimensions that night wearing my bright yellow hero suit, attempting to hide my complete embarrassment with a frozen smile. When I completed the song, and I did actually complete it, the audience applauded vigorously. (laughs) However, my students backstage, who were waiting to go on for their number, were laughing so hard they had tears in their eyes. In fact, one student was on the floor laughing with tears. I wanted to cry real tears, but I always told my students not to cry in public. So, there was one goal. Get to my car as soon as possible so I could let go of the ensuing ocean of tears. Here's when it gets incredibly interesting. As I came around the corner from backstage, a staff member stopped me and stated how much she enjoyed my singing. Was that sympathy? My principal, walking toward me, clamored how excited he was to hear me sing. So is this now pathetic sympathy? I almost made it to the outside door when a parent stopped me, put her hands on my shoulders, and told me my performance put her in tears. Finally, the truth. But wait. She continued her praise of my ability to change the song lyrics so they were more appropriate for the evening celebration. I thanked her, but she wouldn't stop with the compliments. At that very instant, I decided running with her interpretation would have the best outcome. So I did. That night, I never cried or gave excuses for my poor performance. I simply said, thank you, And agreed, my performing the song with new and improved lyrics was sheer genius. Well, if you've listened to me thus far, you always know there are teachable moments. And there are teachable moments here, especially for my colleagues in the trenches of teaching America's children, or Ireland's children, or the Chinese children, or the Singapore children. But I believe all of us can relate. You will make mistakes. In fact, I used to tell my students all the time, the only mistake you truly make is the one you don't learn from. Well, I learned. I've performed leads and supporting roles in over 40 musicals. I was always memorized and ready for rehearsal. And let's fast forward to last December, some 40 years later. I performed for our community's Christmas program. I memorized the music two weeks before the concert. It is not how perfectly you teach. Instead, it is how well you cover your mistakes. And how is that possible? A sense of humor goes much farther than taking yourself too seriously. I laughed at my missteps before students could even point them out. Making fun of my faux pas allowed students to realize that perfection was not in the teacher, so it wouldn't be expected of the students. In fact, during an end-of-the-year evaluation back when I was teaching in Nebraska, my principal gave me the highest marks because of my ability to make mistakes and recover from them. Mark Twain said it best. The two most important days in your life are the day you are born and the day you find out why. In 1971, I discovered my why as I began a very long teaching career. Before that date, I traveled aimlessly through high school and college. But on that first day of teaching, I knew I had purpose. And you do too. If you don't know what it is, seek to discover how you can leave a legacy, fulfill your destiny, and... and, Embrace the second most important day of your life. So here's the last word, everyone. (laughs) Our country has lost its sense of humor. We've allowed fringe groupies to dictate what is funny and what is not. And how do they do this? Well, they cancel. They cancel you on social media, and then the mainstream media jumps right in and follows suit. Without humor, how can we cover our most embarrassing moments. Thanks, everyone. Have a great week.